If you're looking for an easy way to keep advancing your career, your skills, and your opportunities, consider becoming an Adweek Pro member. As an Adweek Pro member, you'll get unlimited access to Adweek content. You'll also be invited to member-only events, classes, and networking opportunities. Your employer might even cover the cost of your membership. Visit adweek.com slash subscribe to learn about our current special rate for new Adweek Pro members. That's adweek.com slash subscribe. Hey, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to the Gen CEOs podcast. Today on the show, my guest is Maxine Marcus, founder and CEO of The Ambassadors Company, a Gen Z insights company that works with Gen Z's biggest trendsetters and leaders. Today on the show, Maxine and I are discussing what Gen Z wants to see from brands when it comes to marketing during a pandemic. We'll touch on segmenting, messaging, the importance of authenticity, PR, and much more. Thanks for joining me today, Maxine. Yeah, of course. Thanks so much for having me. To start off, I wanted to just set the scene and have you talk about uh, what the Ambassadors Company is and how you guys have pivoted to address uh, the pandemic and, and the survey you did that uh, produced the, the insights that we're going to be talking about today. Sure. So I guess I can just kind of jump in with us and our story and and really what we do for companies. So I am actually 20. I'm a sophomore. I just actually finished my sophomore year at USC, which is weird. <laughs> a weird end to the year. I know, a very weird end to the year. But I kind of got involved in teen research when I was really, really young. I started as an intern for a company called SoundHound. And when I was there, I was just really noticing that there was a very stark gap between the product managers and the people that I was working with and my friends and the things that we were doing in our lives that I thought was super obvious, but to them was completely foreign. I mean, little things like Snapchat, because when I was, I was like 15 at the time, and that's when Snapchat kind of first became a big thing for our generation. And um, the whole team was like fascinated by how I was using it. And so I kind of learned, wow, there is this big divide and there isn't really a way for them to have that direct conduit of knowledge. Um, I then ran a in-house research program for a small social media startup for a year. And there I really learned the best way to get teen insights to really ingrain and use products in an everyday sense in the lives of regular teens to actually pull those insights out in a way that replicates how things are going to happen in the consumer market. So from there, when I was a senior in high school about, I kind of discovered that this was, you know, an issue that really surpassed just a couple companies. I had a bunch of companies reaching out to me saying, hey, Maxine, can you run the same exact research program for us? So I went ahead and decided to start the business. Now what we do is we have a network of, as you said, a thousand trend-setting, really authentic, really in-tune teens in both high school and college around the country, which we vet and we really take the time to understand who they are. And we work with all different types of brands and all different types of industries to integrate products, marketing strategies, branding, you name it, into their lives and to really get that authentic feedback. And we ran a survey with over 100 of our ambassadors. We had about 115 completes. And we really wanted to dive into what do teens want from brands right now? Because as we're about to discuss, there's all these like little mini, I guess, like intricacies to how brands can handle this. And we wanted to really break that down. So we just ran a general survey. We also actually hosted an e-conference. We used those insights as well. And we put together this report um, about how brands should be adapting now. 
Yeah, so so the report's broken down into you know a couple um, main points that we're going to talk about today, and I'm sure we can make the full report available um, for listeners after this at some point. Yeah, definitely. Um, but one of the first points, or I think the first point um, in the report is that when it comes to brands addressing you know the crisis we're in today, there's a fine line between being completely tone deaf and being too overbearing or overly concerned. Uh, could you talk a little bit about that spectrum and what each end of that spectrum looks like in the eyes uh, of Gen Z? Yeah, and I think this is such a great question because it, as you said, it's it's a spectrum, right? Like there is being tone deaf, and then there's being over overbearing. Um, and the way that we we break it down in our report and we define it in in terms of how brands can be tone deaf or overbearing in the age of COVID is that for brands that don't address COVID in a way that represents their core value or represents something that means something to their customers, that's tone deaf, um, as well as a brand that kind of comes across as wanting to take advantage of their customers or like using COVID as a marketing ploy. I'm sure every listener has gotten a bunch of emails from random companies that they bought like stocks from, I don't know, like a year ago being like, we hope your family's okay. Like we hope (laughs) that everything's okay. You know, coming across as like using this as a ploy, that's, that's tone deaf. And then overbearing is kind of the other side of that. And that's kind of overreacting and using the situation more than it needs to be used. Because at the end of the day, your customers are your customers and they want to engage with you for a purpose. And there's a reason why they care about your brand and you don't wanna lose sight of that. You wanna continue to maintain the same value that you provided to your customers prior to COVID. You just do want to make sure you're adapting and connecting with your customers, remaining empathetic, remaining you know in tune with what's going on. Um, and something that we can kind of like dive into, I think now it, that really goes along with walking this really fine line is about understanding your customers and segmenting. And at the end of the day, what defines being tone deaf is really about how well you know your customers, because any brand can come across as tone deaf if they don't know who they're speaking to. So it really is about knowing who your core customer base is and what they want from you in this time. That will be totally different for different types of brands. We um, Something that came up in our e-conference was a brand called Mad Happy. And they're a smaller you know, startup out of Los Angeles. They're a clothing brand. They promote mental health and awareness um, through their clothing. And that's what their whole brand is about. And one of our ambassadors mentioned that and they said, you know, what's been great from them is that they created this whole, um, you know, website. I think it's called Local Optimist, the website, but basically they'll put up all this different content about how to, you know, handle mental health in these times and like different tips and tricks for things to do to make yourself happier right now. They are, you know, a clothing brand, but that's something that their customers want to see from them because that's in line with their branding to begin with. That's what they represent as a core. So, um, you know, adding that component to their business during this time has really engaged with their customers. That's that comes across perfectly. Um, and so I think that's kind of a, a good example to explain what it means to really be like where you need to be in terms of not being tone deaf or not being overbearing. 
And, you know, going back to that email example, I think a lot of companies have kind of used this time as an excuse to like reach out to a bunch of customers that haven't actually engaged with their brand in a very long time. And that is what comes across as like a marketing Uh ploy, essentially. So, yeah, I want to dive deeper into two of those things, uh, one being the segmenting and one being the actual content of the messaging itself. You know, it's not it's not enough to just segment Gen Z as a whole right now or any generation at any time uh, for that matter. But right now in particular, why is it important for brands to segment within Gen Z? And what are some of the criteria that you think brands should be focusing on to do that segmentation? So, I mean, I think there's a couple ways to look at this. There's kind of your much larger corporation that has tons of sub brands. And then there's your smaller company that does have that one core audience. And so segmenting is going to look really different for those two types of companies. We saw that smaller businesses that do have that core customer base are actually doing pretty well right now. And again, going back to Mad Happy, that's why I brought them up in the first place is they're a really, really prime example of that mm-hmm. um and the for the bigger corporations that do have all these sub brands it really is okay on a very unique and individual basis for each brand what is that brand value that you are offering to your gen z customers and then who are the different types of gen zers who are buying your products what do they need right now in the age of covid are they someone that does have that extra income that's excited to like put on face masks every night and like buy tons of clothes on sale and kind of use this um, time to kind of feel more relaxed at home. I think that that's been a thing that you're seeing a lot on like TikTok or like Gen Zers being like, I'm going to work out every day and use this time for like self-betterment. Then you see the other side of it as well, where this time is really, really trying and difficult for a lot of people as well. I have, I think I told you this individually, but I've had friends whose parents have completely lost, you know, their lifelong work essentially during this time. Mm-hmm. And they're going through something very different for those people. They're not like, they're like, I don't care if you're giving me a sale. Like, I don't want to buy anything from you right now. Those people are the customers that you want to tap into in a more empathetic way. And you'd want to, you know, be actually driving action to show them that you care, to show them that you're supporting them during this time and that you're listening to what they need. Um, and I know this will, we'll cover this kind of later on in our conversation, the whole, the whole element of action driven, um, I guess like good in this time. But again, with, with the segmenting it, like, I think it's so important to just really drive this home. It, It is about needs and it's about what they care about. And it's about where you know they are mentally invested in your brand and where they care most about what value you are bringing them and then you can use that to propel you to segmenting your different types of gen z audiences and to using different approaches to engage them during this time one interesting um quote that I that I saw in your in the report was um, one of your ambassadors said that brands efforts to be sympathetic can come across as inauthentic. Um, totally. I think that's an, an interesting dichotomy because like, you know, you're trying to do good and, and deliver this good messaging. But if it's not true to your core identity prior to this, uh, it can come across like like she said, as or he or she said, like as inauthentic. Um, totally. You kind of tied this in the report too that we only really care about brands that we cared about before all of this happened. Mm-hmm. We don't want to look for new brands just because they're doing good right now. Uh, do you want to talk a bit about that? Yeah. And then again, I think that this is such an interesting conversation because it really does come down to authenticity, but also perceived authenticity. It's like, 
I mean, are, some brands might not actually be very authentic internally, but if they come across as like very authentic, then it might hit home for some of the Gen Zers during this time, you know? So it really is all about that core authenticity and how you are, um, you know, communicating that to your audience. And that dichotomy that you were expressing, that's kind of where we get into like the overbearing side of this, where you come across as too sympathetic or you come across as like caring too much. I think that if you, if I don't care about a brand to begin with, if I wasn't already engaged with you, I don't actually care about your COVID messaging. I don't really care about what you're doing to support COVID because you were never a brand that I cared about in the first place. And I think that that's something that a lot of brands are kind of missing right now. They're Again, they're thinking like, okay, this you know massive pandemic has come along and now we can like become a socially good company and reach out to our customers in a way that would bring on all these new customers. One of our ambassadors said it best. He's actually our high school head of insights and he said to me, you know, like if I didn't care about you before, I'm not going to care about you now. This is not actually the time to be like aggressively trying to gain a massively new customer base because that comes across as like very, very tone deaf as we were discussing before. Um, And the consistency element of this really plays in here. Brands that are consistent, and, and all the examples I've used so far are great examples of this as well. I mean, this really does come down to how do you take your core brand value and communicate that to Gen Zers in a way that actually represents why we cared about you in the first place. And it's not like, oh, we're inventing this whole new brand. We're inventing this whole new reason for you to care. It's really about, okay, this is what I originally stand for and how do I adapt that to continuously engage my Gen Z customers during this time. And by the way, you can definitely accomplish growth during this time, but that would come through natural growth. That would come through Gen Zers being really excited about what you're doing during this time, being really excited about your messaging, being really excited about the impact that you're making, and then naturally wanting to share that with their friends, with the people in their network, on social media, etc. And you see that more now than ever. It, it really does separate the brands that have that tight connection with their customers versus the brands that are using this as a marketing ploy because you see that natural virality and you see Gen Zers wanting to share and wanting to care about the brands that they really, really loved in the first place and who feel are handling this in a way that does represent that core message. You mentioned this earlier, but um, when it does come to your messaging, it's it's more important to be actually actually be doing something rather than just talking about doing something and, and sending out yeah. these emails. Um, and in the report mentions that the number one way uh, that your ambassadors felt brands were mishandling the crisis was by over publicizing themselves. Um, so what are brands doing particularly wrong, you think, when it comes to over publicizing? Yeah, I mean, going back to the whole email newsletter thing, I mean, I, I feel like my inbox has actually just exploded since this has all happened. Yeah. <laughs> like, the email thing is is just don't even do it. Like, not worth it. It's not a good idea. That's kind of been established that that's super annoying. Additionally, I think that talking about it too much is also really annoying. Like, everyone is going through the same thing, and Gen Zers are missing 
parts of life that are honestly like really really important I mean when you're a teenager and you're in high school and you miss your like junior prom or your senior prom that's depressing if you're in college and you are a freshman and you have to move away from all of your friends who are in your dorm with you that's really depressing too I mean I am lucky that I'm a sophomore and that I got my freshman year dorm experience but I mean, these are things that are core life experiences that Gen Zers are missing out on. And so there does hit a point where it's like, yes, we're all going through the same thing. We get it. How do we turn this into something positive? How do you move on from being like, we know this is hard. We know this is tough. And how do you actually do something about it? Like find an interesting way to create content that would resonate with your audience and use socials to engage with your Gen Z audience that actually creates a conversation and doesn't feel pushed. There was a small surf company. I'm I don't remember the name because I think it's I think it's really specific to Southern California, but one of our ambassadors on our panel mentioned this company and said they really love what they're doing right now because they've been kind of on like a weekly basis doing stories of like great surfing spots in Southern California or like surf stories from various surfers in the area. Like very grassroots, very, very in touch with who they're talking to. And one of our ambassadors said, I love this because it reminds me of the things I can't wait to do when I can go outside again and be with my friends again. And it reminds me of all the great things in life. And so stuff like that is honestly way more productive than consistently harping on how much this sucks because we all know it sucks. Everyone feels that way. And there does come a point where you want to move on and talk talk about something else and turn it into something good. Are you an Adweek Pro member? If so, we hope you've been enjoying unlimited access to Adweek content, including special reports on the future of marketing's hottest categories. If you're not an Adweek Pro member, now's the perfect time to join. We've got a ton of amazing member-only events and resources on the way, and you won't want to miss them. Your employer might even be interested in covering the cost of your membership. Visit adweek.com slash offer to find your current special offer for new Adweek Pro members. That's adweek.com slash offer. So let's say you're a brand that is is giving back actively, um, isn't sending out these emails to everyone that's ever shopped with them. <laughs> um, regarding the PR around that, would you say that Gen Zers would rather hear about these initiatives from the brand itself or from an outside news outlet or influencers uh, or a combination of the three? And is there a best, you know, a best mix of the three? Yeah, yeah. So definitely, I think external is better in this time. And again, our our head of high school insights, he was talking about this with me, we had a great conversation around this. And he was saying, you know, influencers, things like that. And at any external source, it just comes across as more authentic right now. Because again, if you kind of like push it too hard, internally it can feel like you're using it as a marketing ploy but when we see like oh wow like nike is doing this really incredible they're donating so much and they're creating so much good and they're trying so hard to actually make an impact then people are like okay this feels more legit um i think that in terms of a mix i think that there's always a happy medium with influencers i can like really get into it but there's definitely a happy medium with influencers too i mean it's not like oh let's fire up every influencer possible to talk about what we're doing right now that that definitely won't work again it goes back to that 
you know, consistency with messaging. Um, you want whoever is talking about your brand right now to be consistent with your core brand value. So that means engaging influencers that are going to actually be consistent with the message you're trying to convey um, and influencers that are going to represent the things that your customers are caring about in this time. So again, influencers that do have that tight-knit connection with their audience and the ones that know how to actually represent your brand right now in that way that is adapted to COVID and that actually represents what you're doing. So I know that's kind of a lot and that's really wordy, um, but what it means is just basically find someone who already has that representation of something that aligns with your brand and someone who actually is connected with their audience because there's a big difference between an influencer with a lot of followers and an influencer who's well connected with their audience. You could have a very small influencer be more effective than an influencer with like millions of followers if that smaller influencer does have that tight knit connection with their, you know, followers and with the Gen Zers that care about them. So finding what that means for you is really important and engaging those people to kind of talk about what you're doing right now. There's a lot of like natural marketing happening as well. Like on TikTok, it's I see stuff about Aritzia all the time. Maybe it's just my algorithm and it's like targeting me because it knows I like Aritzia. But <laughs> there's there's all this like natural like creator videos of like these are the best sales right now for these types of clothing items. Like this is the best spot to buy loungewear. This is the best spot to buy cute clothes that are like really trendy and in right now. And so a lot of people are actually kind of creating this themselves. You don't actually need a real influencer to influence anymore. You can have any regular Gen Zer like talk about your brand and it will make an impact. We essentially all have network effect these days. So um, kind of like taking that to the next level, I think the best way to express what you're doing and to drive home your message is to not only engage real influencers and try to get some external coverage, but it's also to engage with your current network, with your current Gen Z network. And hopefully if you're doing a good job of that, they're going to naturally want to share your brand. They're going to naturally want to talk about your mission and naturally talk about what you're doing. And that actually can be more effective than having like an actual influencer promote it. So I think that's really the happy medium. It's like merging the, you know, real influencer marketing with the micro influencer marketing. So as little as little from the company itself as possible. Yeah, I think as little from the company itself as possible. I think that obviously you want to make it clear what you're doing. I mean, if you you want it on your own company Instagram profile, your own company TikTok, even on your own company website, a hundred percent make it clear because otherwise, you know, it's not going to be consistent. But mm-hmm. in terms of like the actual outreach, it is really about the network fact, and it's really about having that natural virality. A hundred percent. Some brands that you mentioned are Nike, Aritzia. There was another one that I can't think of. Mad Happy. Yeah. Mad Happy. <laughs> um, what are some other brands that ambassadors specifically mentioned are resonating well right now? And what about those brands did they mention that they appreciated right now? Yeah. So we got such a large variety of answers for this. And in our, um, in our e-conference during, we had a panel, um, that where we were having this whole discussion about brands, but then we also had a panel where we asked our ambassadors to pick their 
top 10 favorite quarantine apps and services. And we got such a range there too, which is really cool to see. And again, this does go back to having like a really tight connection with your Gen Z community. And for each Gen Zer, we are connected with different brands for different reasons. Um, and so there was a bunch. I, so Nike, 100% was the one that was mentioned the most. Nike came up in our e-conference as well as in our survey many, many times. It was by far the most mentioned brand. Um, I can get into why in a second. I'll mention some other ones too. Um, ambassadors were really excited, obviously, about like services right now, like Spotify, Apple Music, Netflix, Hulu. I mean, of course, we're all home alone and needing something to do. So those platforms are obviously killing it right now. Um, in terms of clothing brands, ambassadors mentioned Revolve. One ambassador mentioned Urban Outfitters. They said they were doing a really good job with their um, social media presence right now. They have like an at home with UO campaign that has been resonating very well. Um, food delivery services, a lot of our ambassadors mentioned. Um, it is interesting because when we ran the survey, we actually saw that our ambassadors are ordering food less, but regardless, their perception of brand value for food delivery services has gone up, which is a really interesting juxtaposition. It's one of those things where right now people are tight on cash. They're probably at home with their families and their mom or dad is cooking for them far more <laughs> or yeah. they're cooking themselves. I don't like to cook and I've been actually cooking myself some pretty amazing meals recently. <laughs> So I think that's part of it. But um, but the the brand perception of apps like DoorDash, Postmates, Uber Eats, Grubhub has actually gone up because we view it as more valuable now. We see the importance more. So I think that's something where when all of these restrictions are released more, people are starting to go back to work, going back to normal. I think we'll actually see an increase in use of food delivery platforms because the brand value perception has gone up so much. Um, in terms of beauty, a lot of our ambassadors mentioned Sephora just because they had a great, I mean, they've been pushing a lot of their e-commerce stuff. Um, again, if you're a girl and home alone, or if you're a guy too, honestly, like anyone can do this, but a lot of my friends have been saying they've just been like experimenting with makeup recently. They'll get bored and they're like, let me go like turn my face into, you know, let me like try to do this YouTube tutorial or this like Jeffree Star video. That's like really intense, something that you would never do before. Um, and then a lot of brands that came up are like much smaller, more niche, like artsy type brands, a lot of arts and crafts, a lot of book reading actually that came up, which kind of surprised me because I feel like that's something that Gen Zers have kind of lost a little bit because we have literally no attention span. So a lot of Gen Zers kind of stopped reading, but a lot of, a lot of them were saying, yeah, I'm trying to read now. I'm trying to do things that kind of slow me down. So brands that are kind of more niche and going back to kind of core roots those are more popular right now as well amazon i have to mention obviously i mean we had ambassadors say that like anything they can order on amazon now they will they like don't even want to go to cvs like even if it was to pick up a bottle of shampoo i have ambassadors that are like i will not go to cvs for any reason unless i absolutely have to like i 
want to order literally everything on Amazon. So that's just another thing to keep in mind. I think that the our core habits of being lazy are actually like getting worse. When I say lazy, I mean that like we want technology to do it for us. Not literally we're lazy, but just like lazy in the sense that if I don't have to go to the store and I can order it on Amazon, I will definitely order it on Amazon. So that came up a lot too. And then brands like LVMH came up because of their their impact. I mean, they they've been doing tons to support the COVID relief initiative. Um, so it's a bit really a mixture of like services and things that we're using more of as well as actual brands that we're kind of engaging more with like Nike um, and then things that are utility like Amazon. And we were seeing that actually a lot of spend right now and a lot of value is going towards those more utility products because our ambassadors, again, they're, they're saying like, I don't really want to go outside unless I have to in some situations. I don't really want to go to the store. The store is kind of scary right now. Like it's in apocalypse mode. Like it's weird to walk through an aisle and see absolutely nothing. Like that's bizarre. So people are kind of wanting to be within their bubbles more. Um, Nike, Nike came up just so much. Obviously they're donating so much to the COVID relief effort. I mean, that is math. That's so impactful. And all of our ambassadors were like, wow, that's what we want to see. These are the types of companies that are creating good. Also, the other reason why I think they are so mentioned is that going back to core brand value and what you're providing to your customers right now, Gen Zers are on a health kick. Like, I swear every time I open my phone, whether it be Instagram, TikTok, anything, it's like, here are at-home workouts you can do. Here are like, here's my yoga routine. Here's like how I'm doing CrossFit from home. Like it's literally all, all of this fitness stuff. And everyone is like, all of my friends have been telling me, yeah, I used to never work out at home, but now it's part of my routine. And now I want to do yoga for an hour a day, or I want to like follow this YouTube workout. I mean, the Chloe Ting ab workouts. Oh my God. I, we looked at it together. I mean, it, it's yeah. like almost a hundred million views. It's wild. Mm-hmm. That's all Gen Z, by the way. And that's like all TikTok also, because every, for a while, all my TikTok was like, I've been doing Chloe Ting for two weeks and here are my results. So I think that Nike has kind of tapped into this. Okay. People want to be active because when you're stuck at home all day long, you just want to like bust out and release energy like you want to work out all of a sudden working out becomes fun not a chore anymore (laughs) so nike has been able to really tap into that i think as well and because it's so relevant right now not only are they doing something that has great social impact but they're also kind of tapping into a habit that's emerging and using their core brand value to communicate that so a lot of this is sentiment and and how much um you know gen zers are are going to interact with the brand in general, but how much um, is a company's response impacting Gen Z's, you know, actual purchasing decisions? Um, What does your survey tell you about that? I mean, it's really impacting our purchasing decisions is, I mean, we, when we had, when we ran the survey, we had the question, are you gravitating towards brands that are trying to make a positive community action to support COVID-19 aid? And I mean, it was overwhelmingly, absolutely, I want to support. Um, it was over 60% of our ambassadors. Actually, it's like 70% of our ambassadors picked four or five. And five was like absolutely 100%. I will only be caring about brands that are doing good right now. So all of this drops to the bottom line. I mean, 
our Gen Zers, we are aware. Like that is something that I think is really important for brands to always recognize is that we grew up with smartphones starting so young. I feel like I'm on the older end of Gen Z. And so I feel like my my little bracket of Gen Z, we're like the guinea pigs for teens that grew up with smartphones when they were really, really young. So we were like the first, the first edge of Gen Z to really have super different habits from millennials. And part of that is the ability to filter content and to really very quickly within seconds decide what we care about and what we don't care about because we're being thrown marketing, we're being thrown content literally constantly. I mean, my brain, I feel like I'm so ADD now because I am constantly seeing things and I'm constantly forming opinions. And that goes for every Gen Zer. And for younger Gen Zers, it's even worse because they grew up with smartphones even younger than we did. So going back to this positive community action thing, when we are being thrown all this marketing, we are constantly filtering and caring and choosing what to care about. And so we get really, really good at picking out, okay, this brand seems authentic. Okay, this brand seems legit. And so we want to see that positive impact. We have access to so much information and that makes us care more. So, I mean, the answer is yes, like a hundred percent there. We did have some ambassadors that said, if you're an essential product for me, if you're something that I will always need, no matter what, then honestly, no, I don't care. And I'm going to buy your products regardless. If it's something that's like pure utility, pure use for something like, I mean, we asked the question, what are you, what are you least likely to give up? out of anything that you buy and the answers were predominantly Spotify and Netflix for that question so I mean honestly if Netflix didn't want to do anything impactful or positive for the COVID relief effort they honestly wouldn't have to because they're Netflix and I like need access to my Netflix shows, you know, <laughs> so basically a company like that isn't going to experience it. But if you're not an absolutely essential product that we are using literally every day, 100% your impact matters so much. So this is my last question. And I want to talk about um, looking forward. Um, yeah. When do you think it's time for a brand to shift their marketing back to more normal messaging? Because on one side, you know, there's states are already starting to reopen and yeah. consumers are hoping to re- return to this sense of normalcy and a brand's messaging could facilitate that. But on the other hand, uh, the impact of this is going to be felt for you know many years uh, in the future. So how does a brand know when it's time to shift their messaging to something other than what, what they're doing yeah. to, in response to the pandemic? Totally. So case by case basis, I think is the first thing I can say on this. I mean, brands that are doing a good job right now, that's going to translate past this pandemic. I mean, when you do build that loyal following and you build that loyal Gen Z customer base, what's amazing about Gen Z is that when we're loyal, we are very loyal. In terms of from a messaging perspective, you just want to be, you know, adaptable and you want to just continue to, again, communicate that core value, have actionable and clear social impact um, and and generate that natural word of mouth. And when you do those things, it's just going to continue to persist. And as things start to chill out, you can revert to not talking about your social impact, not talking about, I guess, the ways that you're addressing covid Maybe you can stop your social media campaigns that are like your at-home strategies to be happy right now. Things like that. Like whatever your content or your strategies are that are very COVID specific, you can like slowly kind of 
I guess, move off of those. But the impact that you create from those campaigns are going to last past this pandemic. Um, so I think they're, the answer of like, when is the right time? It's not like, oh, there's a date where everyone can be like, okay, yeah. like we're going back <laughs> to normal. It it's, it's, doesn't really work like that. It's really just about how are your customers responding? What do they need from you in this time? Um, and that goes like not just in this time currently in the present, but in the future as well. Continue to listen to them. Continue to understand what they want from you and just continue to deliver that with your core messaging, with your core brand values, with that positive and actionable impact um, and leverage that engagement moving forward past this pandemic. Awesome. Well, thank you for uh, coming on here today and and sharing all of that with us. Um, as I mentioned, we'll, we'll find a way to make the uh, report available to listeners. Um, but if they wanted to reach out to you with any questions or, uh, or to your company, where is the best uh, place for them to do that? Yeah. Um, yes, the report will 100% be available and they can reach out to me directly. We have um, many ways to contact us on our website as well. Our website's ambasco.com. And then if you want to reach out to me directly, you can just email me at maxine at ambasco.com. That's M-A-X-I-N-E at ambasco.com. Great. Thanks again, Maxine. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to the Gen CEOs podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to check out adweek.com slash Gen CEOs for the latest episodes and hashtag Gen CEOs on Twitter to join the conversation. This episode was produced by Heidi Palermo with audio production from Josh Rios. Our theme music is by Marcus Haran. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to email me at nick.gardner at adweek.com. I'm your host, Nick Gardner. See you next time.